The Bible Study Podcast, episode 344. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the Gospel of John with chapter 17. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. We continue on with John in chapter 17. You may recall that we've been dealing with a number of chapters that dealt with the Last Supper. We're still on the same night, but the scene has moved to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is preparing to be betrayed. And that will happen next week in chapter 18. This week is going to be all about Jesus' prayers, starting in verse 1. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him all authority over all people, so that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. This is an interesting prayer because it starts, or it ends rather, with the starting place for Jesus, which was not Christmas Day, but that he is the begotten Son that pre-existed before then. And so he says, give me the glory that I had when I was with you before the world began. Now that I have gotten to the point where I have been faithful to you, and I'm almost finished what you sent me to do, basically. He's almost gotten to the point where he has been the sacrifice that was sent. Almost gotten to the point then where God can raise him up again, and not just from the dead, but also to the glory that he had before and will have again at this moment. And then I like this interesting thing that they may have eternal life. You granted him authority over all people that he might have eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life. And this is interesting because I would have thought eternal life just meant living forever. But Jesus says that's not what he's talking about. I think the reason why just living forever isn't enough is that's not living. He says that they will know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That for Jesus is the definition of life. It's consistent with everything he's been saying over the last few chapters. Remember you, I am the vine and you are the branches. You can not bear fruit of yourself. You can't live, you can't prosper, you can't grow unless you are connected And again here he says that the definition of eternal life is to know God, that without it we could have eternal, but we couldn't have life. And Jesus continues in verse 6, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those who you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, 
Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so the scripture would be fulfilled. I am now coming to you, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctified myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Okay, that's a lot of words there. Let's see if we can unpack that a little bit. Jesus now, even though he is about to face betrayal and trial and torture and death, is praying for his disciples. And he's praying for his disciples that a couple different things would happen. One is that God would protect them, that he would protect them from the evil one. And Jesus reveals that he has been protecting them while he has been with them. And that's not something that was necessarily obvious to us because there was a whole different struggle going on at a spiritual level that the disciples were unaware of. But Jesus says, I have been protecting them. Now that I'm going back to you, I pray that you would protect them. Not that you'd take them out of the world. Not that you would take them away from this place where there will be temptation, where there will be trials, where there will be attacks, where the devil will be trying to get them. And the reason for that is that he is sending them. He is sending us into the world. That Jesus is not done with the world. That he is not done with the people in the world who do not know him that he has sheep yet to be called. And our job is to accept that calling and to reach out to the people who God wants to reach out to, the people who Jesus wants to reach out to. He also says, obviously, that we are not going to be accepted by the world because they didn't accept Jesus. That is not something new. And again, he says, and this is the second or third time he said this within the last few chapters, that his joy would be in us. This is a repetition of the last couple episodes because Jesus intends for us to have joy within, to have his joy within us. That life that he mentioned, which is knowing the Father, that life that he mentioned, which is knowing Jesus, should produce in us the fruit of the Spirit, including joy. And then he also says of the disciples here, but it's intended to be for us also, I believe, that we are not of the world, that we are called to be not of this world. The prince of this world is the devil, and the way things work in this world is the way that he wants them to work. And we are called to live by a different standard, a standard that is sometimes at odds with the way the world works the way that our society works. And that's probably harder. To say the world seems somehow more vague, but we are called to be different. We're called to live in this land, in this time, with our neighbors that we have, but not to value the same things, not to spend time on the same things, and not to be called to the same things. Because we don't belong to this world. 
We are called to be ambassadors. I love the scriptures that mention that because we're called so that our homes are an embassy. They are a place that belongs to the kingdom of God, surrounded by a kingdom of Satan. And then finally, Jesus prays for us. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The one thing that I want to emphasize in this verse, we've got the whole unity thing, which comes up here that our very unity in Jesus, he says, is somehow connected to the world seeing the message. And what that also means then is our disunity, our factionalism, our denominationalism, our attacking one another because we disagree on some point or another, because it's more important to us that we be right than it is that Jesus is Lord. That obscures the message that Jesus is the Son of God. That obscures the message when we don't show love for one another, when we don't show the unity that love brings. And so this week, I call you to unity. I call you to love one another as Jesus has called us to love one another. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at BibleStudyPodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at TheBibleStudyPodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Don Hawkins, and I once heard Chick-fil-A founder Truett Cathy say, you can tell if a person needs encouragement, check to see if they're breathing. I'd like to invite you to my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You, featuring encouraging guests like Dr. Greg and Aaron Smalley, Dan Cathy, the late Dr. Frank Menrith, Josh McDowell, and more. To subscribe to my weekly Encouragement for You podcast, go to lifeaudio.com. That's lifeaudio.com.